heard the call to build your small business? Make it happen with a .NET domain name, the place for dreamers for 30 years and counting. Visit keepdreamingup.net for tips and advice. Whether you're just getting started or looking to grow, that's keepdreamingup.net. You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of Locked on Kings. I'm Jason Ross. As uh, Let's get right to it today here on our podcast. We check in today with our guest from ABC10, Sean Cunningham. He's our Kings locker room reporter as well. And really, if you follow him on Twitter or see him, he's everywhere. He's covering all these events and spent some quality time in Las Vegas covering the Kings, UFC, all sorts of different things. So, Sean, let's start right there. Did you survive Las Vegas? I survived, but my financial situations, my, my bank account did not. So if anyone wants to, you know, take up a charity case, I think I'm, I think I'm, uh, I think I'm eligible. I'm not helping you out. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> was no, this, luckily I, uh, was this because of gambling or just being in Vegas? You know, what's funny. I actually, okay. So it's being in Vegas, everything just being expensive. Why do you have to, like, you have to tip everything. Yeah, what's the proper etiquette? But like, what are you? What else do you have to tip there? Like, so cabs and the bags yeah, and all that. Like, so even bellhops, like you have a bag and they bring it up. Like if you're dropping off your car at valet, what's the proper like procedure? Do you tip when you drop your car off or when you pick it up? I think when you pick it up, I think because you're not supposed to do both, right? No, that's double dip. That yeah, that is double, double tip. tip. That's that's frowned upon. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I think it's acceptable to not tip there. And, you know, that's why, like, Uber is such the best way to go, yeah. even getting around, because you don't have to tip them, right? Right. Lyft you do, Uber you don't. Yeah, when I was in Vegas, we took Uber a couple times, and they said, I mean, they enjoyed it, whatever, that's fine, but every trip they have is so short. I don't know if it's the most profitable thing, because they're, you know, usually going from casino to casino, or in our case, casino to the arena, which wasn't far, and they don't make that much money. But they do a bunch of short trips. Yeah, I wish I could say it was like, you know, I was in... um you know, the casino losing my, you know, losing everything and having a good That's time fun. Or, or my, or, you know, my beverage bill or, you know, extracurricular activities, <laughs> but no, no, nothing like that. No, it was really just like, Oh, your meal costs $500. Not so much, but I mean, way more, like a burger or, yeah. or a taco is far too much money. And, uh, now that's what I call to... a taco. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> now the, they, uh, ABC 10 will pick up the bill, right? Expense, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I did them a favor though. I mean, I got like, uh, found a, found a, not that anyone cares, but found a, a, a bug in the room. It wasn't even like a, it was the third bug I found same kind of thing. And it wasn't even a bed bug. And finally I was like, all right, this is getting a little bit weird. Like I found one in the bathroom. There was one over the, the tile thing. Third, I come in at like three in the morning, had a very late dinner, had a couple pops and then come back into the room. It's one on the bed. And I'm like, Nope, creeped out, put a jar over it. They, uh, you were seeing them. things. No, <laughs> kind folks at the Monte Carlo helped me out, and the guy goes, "Kind comes in, he goes, what the hell is that?'" <laughs> I'm like, well, "Trust me, I don't. I've never seen it before." And I was like, "I saw two others, but this one's on the bed. I'm a little creeped out. Send me another room." The room wasn't ready. Guy left like the guy who checked out left clothes in the closet. What? Finally, upgraded me to a suite. Yeah, it was just a, it was a nightmare. Finally got in there, good to go the rest of the way. But I, the the cool thing is like you know I have a buddy down there who's a better friend to me than I am to him, and he always says, "Oh, just take my car, take my house. I'm not going to be there. I'm in Dallas for three weeks." uh go go stay and abc 10 just goes all right just work from down there well this trip it was it was uh it was a little bit strange because his air conditioning didn't work mm. and no ac in it in vegas is just not 
uh, a recipe for success. So I'd take I the to, bug hotel. I had to, yeah, I had to evacuate. That was no good. <laughs> So uh, I got a little, got a little summer league, got a little UFC coverage. It was great. Well, how, how about the summer league portion of this? I went for just yeah. the one day. Saw you there. Kings were there for for a while, and some hits and some misses. But what, I guess, kind of as a general thought, what were you, what were some of your takeaways from what you did see from the Kings? Well, yeah, I think it's funny because when, in watching them, I think a lot of people were a little were a little disappointed that they didn't get to see some other guys at all in the case of Harry Giles, who is just kind of being left alone to kind of develop. Like he's still behind guys like Frank Mason who had four years of college. And even that of, of Justin Jackson and De'Aaron Fox. I mean, this guy is so far behind development wise, mentally that they just want to kind of mentor him a little bit and kind of bring him up to speed slowly. Uh, And Oh, by the way, let's not, let's not risk injury in, in, in summer league. He participated in all the practices and, and, uh, so I think people were upset they didn't get to see him play. And I think Summer League kind of takes on a life of its own for a lot of these young players. Kings Kings fans know that a lot of times guys go down there and they don't have good showings. And, you know, when you're a Kings fan and you're really looking for anything to be excited about, uh, Summer League is kind of your moment. You're got, you've got four rookies that are all big names from big programs. And, you know, you've had you had two, two guys in the top 10 until they traded and they got 15 and 20. So there's a lot of buzz surrounding their team. And I think they were looking for anything just to be excited. And, and there was talk of them going in there and winning the championship yeah. because of the because they're going to have so many uh, rookies. And then even the first year players, Papa Giannis, Buddy Heald, Malachi Richardson. And then Malachi gets a little bit of an injury on the hamstring, and that's not good. Uh, and then Giles are like, oh, Giles isn't going to be there. Um, what's going on? Is he is he even healthy? I think people start to overanalyze everything. I think really, even though guys like Papianis didn't have a great summer, um, you saw a couple little injuries that happened. I think they handled it the right way. And I think your biggest takeaway is, look, you've got an incredibly young team, uh, nine players that are in the first two years. That's just unheard of. And – De'Aaron Fox looks to be the real deal. Um, Frank Mason sure looks like he has a, a chip on his shoulder and has that expertise. But I think Justin Jackson, uh, you came away going, boy, this guy can really play. I mean, he looks like an NBA player. Some of the things he does, even Jason March, the Kings assistant coach, who was who was the head for Summer League, and he was talking about, you know, after that first or second game, Justin had a quiet 18. He goes, man, I got to get more touches for Justin Jackson. He glances at the box score and he goes, except he had 18 points. <laughs> and, and and so he's like, yeah, I just got to, I got to find more ways to get him involved. And he just does it very, he's a very sneaky type score, but I was really impressed. I mean, I know that's kind of sprained all fields, but I was really impressed with the poise of some of these rookies. Yeah, I, I, I was too. I almost felt like the, the rookies showed better than the second year guys. And I, I was guilty of that too, Sean, looking at summer league rosters and you know it too. Sometimes you have a draft pick, maybe two, maybe a young guy that's there, but then it's a roster filled of people that probably aren't going to make the team. But when it's that filled with players, and especially the second-year guys, I thought Scal and Buddy and certainly Malachi and throw in Papianis would, I don't know, for lack of a better term, almost dominate. And I didn't feel like they did that. They had some moments, but I, I was mm-hmm. uh, disappointed is not the right term, but I actually thought the second-year players would play better. I did too, and I think, you know, look, Buddy was only going to play a couple games. Um, to, his, to his credit, that's all that was really going to happen. It seemed like for the first couple nobody could hit a shot. Uh, the Kings, you know, perimeter shooting was really terrible. Um, as it kind of went on a little bit, I think in that, especially after falling behind the Lakers on that Monday by 28 and then having to rally themselves off the, you know, De'Aaron Fox gets pulled from that game. It was supposed to be Fox and ball and it ends up buddy healed and Vander blue and uh, Frank Mason pulling them off the canvas and some guys that Kings fans had never heard of. Um, and, 
So they're here. They are trying to come back. They take the lead after being 28 down. Probably one of the most entertaining mm-hmm. uh, halves of summer league than, than I've ever seen. I mean, that was that was incredible. And then just to watch that that shootout between Buddy Heald and Vander Blue, uh, I think I think Kings fans got there. Uh, finally saw you know Buddy kind of shoot himself out of the slump. Um, they I think they finally got their money's worth. Even though, yeah, they didn't win that game. They went 0 and 3 and and didn't win another two games until later in the week. But um, you know, wins and losses don't matter. It's all about developing these guys and, and coming away healthy. And, and unfortunately they, they got a couple nicks and knacks here. Those second year players was weird. I know. I mean, it was weird to look and see uh, Yorgos Papayanis being scoreless in two of the first three games. And I know, you know, he's not a scorer. It's not really what he does, but like you said, you're expecting a little more from those second year players. Granted, he's only what, 19, 20 years old. He's so young. Um, you, you know, he's got a long way to go. He's not an NBA player yet and people have to have patience, but then they look at what he's able to do in those final 20 games where there's a lot of resting on both sides and he's able to have a couple moments and they're thinking, Oh gosh, well, summer league, he needs to come out and just dominate. And, and what really was kind of an eye opener for, for him in particular before he went down with his injury in that final game was, you know, he's rebounding better, but then he can't hold onto the ball like, mm-hmm. like that, that there shouldn't be, a development process and just holding on to the ball. You're seven, four and you're rebounding and you're in good position, but you're losing the ball off your hands. You can't hold on to it. And, you know, he, I think he finally had enough after he came out and him and Scal had a really good game against Milwaukee on that Wednesday. Yeah. And it was their best showing to date. And he comes back and he's like, yeah, I'm hearing the criticisms. There's a lot of trolls that are hitting him online. And he's <laughs> like, I don't care. You know, I'm just going to steady as the course. And I think for him, Kings fans should be really impressed with just the, uh, the the amount of weight he's shed since this time last year. Everyone's like, God, he's got to get in better shape. And he still has some time to do that. But boy, he's done a lot of that in the first in the first year. And I think that's probably the biggest credit to him that, that anyone can take away. You mentioned kind of the, the online trolls for him. I, these aren't trolls, yeah. but I've had people mention to me about Giles, who you brought up earlier. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's the hardest one to read. One, because we haven't seen him play. He didn't play much at Duke, but right. you know we hear what well, everybody's heard that potential. This could be the best pick of the draft. This, you know, a couple years ago, he's the number one rated high school player, but yet we don't really see him. You mentioned him practicing. I, I just don't even know what to tell people what he. I'm, I have, I'm almost at a loss of words when describing him, just because one, I haven't seen him, and I that's such a wide range, Sean. Of could be the best yeah. player or a guy that might be a year or two away from even playing. Yeah, and I, I love the fact that they have him at twenty because it's worth the risk, right? Sure. I mean, um, I, I've been lucky enough. I mean, you know me, I'm a Duke homer. Uh, I'm Duke a huge Duke. Duke fan. But even before that, like I was lucky enough to see guys like Lonzo Ball, Josh Jackson, Jason Tatum, uh, and even Harry Giles in high school. I've been able to, to see these guys, a lot of AAU, Las Vegas, um, Team USA camps and stuff like that. And I've seen Giles and what he's been able to do in high school. The guy looked like what people, uh, I, I know there was the Chris Weber comparison. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if so much that I look at it more like, boy, what what people see from Carl Anthony Towns now is what I was seeing from Giles in high school. Now, I know the college game is a lot different. Um, in, in the, in the under-18 um, USA team, he was incredible. Now, you're, two, you're, you know, you're five years removed, really, from, a, from, a, from your first ACL, and, and, and you, know, you had the scope last year. And you know as well as anybody, people go to Duke, it's a system, and if you can't, if you can't help them win, you're not playing. Well, he comes in in January – and there's really nothing he can do. The only thing they thought he might be able to help in was rebounding. But if you've seen the way they use the bigs, you know, they didn't, their biggest, their biggest concern was rebounding. They couldn't out rebound anybody in the ACC. So um, part of me 
thinks that you can't look at Duke and say, this is a, a fair representation from Giles. He was just so far behind everybody. That said, um, you're hearing people rave about him in practice. It's now, granted, it's not like he's they're going full scrimmage, but mm-hmm. it's just all about developing for him. And if you look at him, he's still got to, I mean, even though he's a he's a big kid, he's probably going to be like Garnett, who was they they wanted to call him six twelve and not seven foot. <laughs> uh, he's still growing. I mean, this guy is it's incredible, and it's just a matter of patience and and really trying to get these guys to not only mature but just to get their bodies to develop. And and yeah, you're probably not going to see a lot of him in his rookie year, but I think that's fine. The other mystery guy is now officially a king too. Bogdanovich coming over was there in Vegas. You had a chance to talk to him. I mean, I've seen highlights. I've seen. I know what the resume is there, but I, I, I don't know how it's going to translate here. I, I'm excited about him, but a little bit of an unknown. What do you think about Bogdanovich now being a king? Well, it's funny. I'm, I'm like you. You know, I've seen some international play. I've seen some stuff on YouTube. Um, <laughs> who knows? Right. The one thing that I've always seen, at least in the footage that I've seen in games that I've seen, I was like, well, he can get in the paint. The guy tends to weave his way through the paint. He can handle the ball a little bit, and his shooting is, you know, that's that, that's well documented, but. Um, he seems to have some good size. My only concern, and he said it himself, I said, what are the biggest, you know, what's going to be the, pose the biggest challenge for you coming to this next level? And he's like the size, the speed and the athleticism. Whew. You know, I don't know if he can get in the, in the paint the way, the way he's done, he's been able to do internationally. I don't know that. I'm pretty sure he can shoot over people. He's got a pretty good size to him. Um, he doesn't really look like an NBA player though, which is kind of weird. Hmm. Um, he just kind of looks like an everyday Joe, a little bit taller, but, um, you know, I, I'm not sure. The one guy I talked to quite a bit, though, is uh, a guy from Stockton who was his teammate over at Fenerbahce. I hope I'm saying that right because I don't mm-hmm. know if it's Fenerbahce or Fenerbahce. But it's uh, James Nunnally. He was, went to Western Ranch High School in Stockton, got to cover him a little bit. And he knows uh, – Bo- and by the way, he goes by Bogey. He doesn't want to go by Bogdan. He says, call me Bogey. Bogey, okay. So he went from Bogey to Bogey, right? Yeah. Um, and he says, he says, the one thing you know, he says, I told Bogey everything there is to know about Sacramento. He's thrilled to be here. He loves interacting. He's seen all the love he's getting on, on social media. He doesn't really, um, typically engage much on social media, but he, James not only has told him everything he needs to know about Sac and he's, this is his lifelong dream. I think he, I think he, he said it himself. It's going to be a real big adjustment for him early on, but because of his maturity and age, uh, he feels he'll be able to get the concepts and, and grasp the, the NBA game quickly. Um, but it might take a little bit of an adjustment period at the first, at, at least in the beginning. And I was, I commended him for being honest about that because I've heard people, you know, both within the organization, there's other media types that say, Oh, this kid's going to come in here. He's going to be the starting. He's going to be the starting two. And I'm like, I think Buddy Heald might have something to say about that. Um, a guy who's already in the King system under this coaching staff knows what the NBA game's all about. And let's not forget he was four year starter at, at Oak in Oklahoma. So, um, you know, I think Buddy Heald is, is coming into a good situation. I don't think they're just going to hand it over to, to Bogdan Bogdanovich right off the bat. Did you like the additions the Kings made and the veterans that they added with Hill, Carter, and Randolph? I did. It is. A, it does seem a little weird um, to have – you've got, you know, Vince Carter at 40 years old, mm-hmm. which to me, selfishly, as a guy who's covered this team so long, and, and you as well, if you're telling me I was going to be covering Vince Carter – just sounds weird, Kings, doesn't it? It sounds incredibly strange. That's like, I mean, that's about not as close as it gets, but for me, it's like, boy, this is like covering Michael Jordan in a way. I mean, mm-hmm. or, or a, like one of those Hall of Fame talents that would have never come to Sacramento otherwise. Um, and you're catching him on the back end of his career, and uh, and he still thinks he can contribute at a high level. I mean, he's talking about another two years, Jason. He's, mm. he's got 40 years old, 20 NBA seasons. 
eight-time All-Star, future Hall of Famer, and, and he still thinks that he can contribute. Um, no better guy to learn from. Um, he said he's like he didn't think he'd ever play this long, but he's kept his body in great shape. He still contributes well. Um, that one to me is a little. Even though I'm saying all these praises, it almost doesn't fit what you're kind of doing. But it's a short contract. Yeah, that's a one-year deal. Same thing with Zach at 36. Zebo coming in here knows Jaeger's system. Both both Vince Carter and Zebo both. And it's almost like you traded Tyreek and Ben for those two um, on these really small contracts um, that'll kind of help mentor these young guys. And I really feel that George Hill is the steal right there, Um, especially, you know, you get to kind of just look at it for for two years and see what it really looks like. Um, That third year not being guaranteed. I think that's fantastic. Get a veteran point guard, help usher in the De'Aaron Fox era. And it could really, really uh have, you know, it could really do a lot of wonders for, for Fox's maturation and even Mason for that matter. I know you had a chance on ABC 10 to talk to Darren Collison. It was a pretty good video if anyone hasn't seen it. And it sounded like he was more than willing to come back, enjoyed his time here. He has moved on going to the Pacers. It, did I read that right? Is that is Did Darren, I don't know if he had a preference to be here or not, but he, he yeah. sounded like he's you know, a little bit bummed the way it ended, but also wishing well for everybody in Sacramento. Yeah, I mean, he was in meeting up with him. I mean, look, he, this is a place he's always wanted to be, and he he was totally down with the with the we're going to rebuild. And let's not forget, it's not like he's an old man either. He's he's younger than Hill, and and he's uh, he's been through situations. He he's he's been kind of that journeyman. And when he really took him at their word, which is yeah, we're interested in you, but um, when he, when they didn't call, it's not that they had no interest, but obviously they landed George Hill, and maybe they didn't know at the time but we're talking like three, four days into free agency by the time that happens. And if you're Darren Collison, you, you got to go with what you can get. Right. I mean, it's, you get two years at 20 million from Indiana, from Indiana, a, a, a situation that, you know, and, and uh, for that matter, you're not hearing from the Kings and you kind of have to jump to it. That's not to say the Kings had zero interest, but knowing now a day later that they go with uh, George Hill, they obviously put George Hill at a higher pecking order than Darren Collison. I'm not even so sure where, where, Ty Lawson was in regards to to Darren Collison, like who they would rather have um, if the chips were all to fall. But clearly, they they put a preference on George Hill. They were able to get George Hill, and yeah, it's it's all a business at the end of the day. And you know, he understood that. He thought that his communication and his agent's communication with um, with with Vladi and Scott Perry early on was was key. And they were talking about how they envisioned him back. Even this was even before the draft, and they knew they were going to go after. They wanted point guard in the draft. And uh, when that happened, they kind of took him at their word. So there was disappointment. He wanted to stay in Sacramento, uh, just like a lot of a long list of guys that end up coming to Sacramento and wanting to remain here and wanting to still be here, no matter the success on the floor. Um, it seems like Sacramento's kind of becomes one of those places for these guys that they might have had a, uh, a, a preconceived notion of what the town is like, what the city is like. Then you get here and it's like, I don't want to leave. Yeah. Um, and then him going back to Indiana. Yeah. Kind of sucks for him. He's getting paid. He's, he's thrilled. And the other thing is, much like George Hill, it's a two-year deal. He's getting two years at, at 10 per. Um, it's a good payday for him. And he'll be another, I don't know if coveted free agent is, is the way to look at it, but when you're a point guard in this league that's capable of running an offense, you look at the point guards he's played with, he's outplayed a lot of them. I mean, he's, you know, he, he played back up to Chris Paul twice. He's had Rondo in here. He's had Ty Lawson. He starts naming them off. And it's always like they were trying to, even in Sacramento, trying to replace him or have a nice position battle. And he always seemed to shine. 
Yeah, he found his way. He really did. And I hope uh, for the best for him. How about that? You know, all this news has been relatively positive around the Kings, which is great. And then fans are bummed about the latest news from last week in which Scott Perry, who hasn't been here long, but decides to take a dream job, as he said, to New York. How, how big of a deficit do you think that ultimately will be or will it be one for the Kings? Yeah, that's a tough one to answer because uh, I've kind of gone back and forth with it. It's it's certainly a like a colossal loss I feel um, because he was such a he was really the biggest addition that they had. Him coming in, uh, you added a lot of name recognition, respect around the league. You're treated differently. You're thought of differently. But and I'm not saying this would have happened had they done otherwise. But if they brought him in and gave him complete power, let's say Vladi shifted all his power to Scott. Scott's running the show. Uh, it's gonna. I'm gonna be the president. He's gonna be the GM. It's completely his show. He makes all the decisions. I still think he'd be leaving for for New York. I mean, it is a dream job. The Knicks are not the Kings, um, especially for a guy. You know, he's an East Coast guy. He's got family in New York. It's a perfect situation for him. So, yeah, the Kings could have turned around and said, "We don't want to give anybody the power to do that." Oklahoma City is notorious for that. They don't let anybody talk to their people. Um, but it's political at the end of the day. And I think you, I think one, there, there's a way to look at it when you go, you know, Hey, there, it, it, we made the right move. We had the right guy here, even though he was only here since April, he helped make a huge impact in what we do. He, he, we had a terrific draft. We had terrific workouts. We were able to get people in that, that maybe we wouldn't have had a look at before. I mean, it was because of Scott Perry and granted take this for what it is, but it was because of Scott Perry that they even got a seat at the table with Markel Fultz, even though he went number one overall, um, you know, it, it, he still, he still met and visited with you. And granted he was on the West coast and it was just a good optic and his agents love Scott Perry and what he brought to the table. But think of it even more in big picture. It's not just for that rookie season or his, or even drafting him, but what are you setting up for years later down the line, knowing that, that you're showing a stability, you're showing, you're showing interest in a guy, you're sh- uh, you know, that, that four or five years from now could be a free agent. Maybe you're trading for him, um, setting him up as somebody that you have interest in, or at least wanting yeah. to leave a good impression and show a good culture around you. And Scott did that in ways that, you know, no fault of Lottie and, and Peja and the staff that's there now, but they needed that experience. That's exactly what they needed. They can find that in other people, no doubt, no doubt. Um, so they should be good. They should they should be under the philosophy of just because Scott Perry's left, you know, we're still going to be fine. We'll be fine. We're going to, we're going to fill that position. Eventually we're going to find um, someone that brings us respect, but the New York Knicks for as bad as they've been, they, they plucked a, a very talented piece from the Sacramento Kings. And I think they can hang their hat on that. I think that's something to be good at, to feel good about. So you do think they'll, they'll try to fill that position. Cause I, I felt like it was the perfect storm. Scott was out of a job. Vlade had a connection, wanted mm-hmm. to bring in another sound NBA mind respected mind and I, I I don't know I haven't figured out if I think they're going to bring in someone else or not what do you think I think eventually now now shoot they went a whole year without having that person right. in place um I, I I think a lot of it has to be time and place like you said Scott Perry becomes available um you know there's there's talented people that are available out there there's talented people on other staffs that that don't have general manager type titles or who are former general managers who are now in player personnel and and doing other things I think those 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 possibilities exist. There's a lot of talented people throughout the league, but I think he's definitely going to take his time. Um, I think he's. I don't think it's something that they fill right away. I I do know they've already talked to some people. Mm. I don't really can't really put some names out there at the moment, but I do know that that you know the good thing about Vegas and summer league for as 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 what of a 
as, as a circus as it may be. <laughs> as you know, Jason, it's the most, it's the craziest networking ever down there. Yeah. And teams are always talking to other teams and it couldn't have happened at a better place. You lose your, what really is your general manager for lack of a better term. I mean, I know he was executive vice president of basketball operations, but he's really, he was really acting as the general manager. Um, it's, it's all about titles too. And I feel like if you really have interest in somebody, you're going to have to give them some power or they're really going to have to buy in and wanting to work from, for Vlade and be under that umbrella of Vlade. And I think Scott operated with a lot of power uh, to, to Vlade's credit. He's smart enough to know what he doesn't know. He's kind of taken, taken some hits, but um, you know, for as, for as positive as Scott was, Vlade had just as much decision. You know, he had to trust his guy in order to make a lot of these decisions. And Vlade was a bit, it was a key cog in all that. So he'll take his time. I know they've already met with some people. They've talked, they've, you know, they've kind of, um, they've kind of, they've kind of, you know, kicked the tires on a few guys, but I don't know if they're ready to do it. I don't know if it'll be before the season. We may not know until maybe the you know, April of next year, who knows? But yeah, I do, I do think they will fill the position for sure. Well, Sean, we enjoyed the time. I hope your, uh, your night's rest tonight is bug free and filled with air conditioning. The stuff you I didn't have in Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. I come back to Sacramento. It's funny. It's like, like, as you know, like some of the heat down there wasn't all that different from Sacramento. And True. we got out of there. We got, we got to Vegas at the right time considering the triple digit heat that was down here. But, um, yeah, yeah. My air, my air conditioning bill is going to be a, I got to get ready for that one. There you go. Charge that one to ABC 10 as well. <laughs> oh, they can handle it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Sean. No problem, Jay. Thank you. That is Sean Cunningham from ABC 10 and our locker room reporter and covers a lot of different stuff for us for the Sacramento Kings radio network. Hopefully you enjoyed his perspective on all things that happened, whether it was about Scott Perry, about Bogdanovich, the Kings in Vegas, the additions of the veterans, all those different opinions. We appreciate them and getting those from Sean. Thank you for following us on iTunes, on Audioboom, on Google Play, and on Stitcher. Catch us again tomorrow for another edition as we'll be back for more this week as we roll on here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.